2: Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter, and guess what? The wait is finally over. Season 4 of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co host to rein me in, just me, and myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers, and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders, because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warm brother, hello. Welcome to Loving Las
3: Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoop pierce and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast we do have a great podcast for you. It's in segment number two. We've got Kevin Sweeney jumping aboard. He does great work over at Sports Illustrated covering the great game of college basketball. He is going to be doing his preseason rankings of every single college basketball team, one through 363. Is working very hard on that right now. And I'm going to ask him about a team that he is feeling bullish on as he does his research. And you're going to find out me and him are in lockstep in terms of a team that we are really liking coming into the start of the college basketball season. We're going to be asking them about the Zach Fremantle suspension, but something else that we're going to touch upon as well is some of these new teams coming into the D1 ranks. We're going to have five in total that are coming up to the D1 level and how it might be a little bit easier slash tougher for them moving up because we have seen successes of teams like Bellarmine along with Merrimack in recent years going from the non-D1 level to the D1 level and instantly being able to win. Can we expect a little bit more of that this year what all goes into it in terms of some of the transfers that are coming in so we're going to be touching upon that in segment number two with Kevin then in the final segment we did see some unfortunate news with a couple of college basketball players being diagnosed with some bad issues so we do have to give you guys a little bit of recap of that nothing but the best of those guys we did see a little bit of player movement as well the Citadel they've added another guy or two and well it's another guy that was another cast off so they're hoping to be able to get a little bit of production there but you always get production on this podcast Podcasts, as if you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters yeah, they mean does not matter. size as per usual, please you send these into the timeline. The other way that is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. via that five star review. Do not get in any Twitter questions today, so let's jump into the chat with Kevin on the other side, right here on Cozcast with myself, Craig Spears, and now a part of the Vison family of podcasts.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.
4: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No
0: purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip,
5: who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
1: And I'm Skip Bronson.
4: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus.
4: Good song. The Johnny Carson
1: theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
5: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone.
1: I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson.
3: Vegas for Custom Guest with myself, Greg Hughes and now part of the VEASAN family of podcasts. And it is always great to be joined by our guests as Kevin Sweeney does absolutely amazing work over there at Sports Illustrated. On top of that, he does his own podcast, the CBB Central podcast, which you'll find that wherever you get your podcast. Kevin, I know one of his specialties is ranking every single team. This year it's going to be one through 363 for the upcoming college basketball season. So one of the hardest working men that. You're going to find in the spear, and you're able to follow him on Twitter at CBB underscore central. And Kevin, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks as always, Greg. Happy to have it be on. Happy to have you aboard. And Kevin, this is something that we were tweeting about a few days ago, as it looks like LeMoyne might be trying to come up to the D1 level within the next few years. And we're going to be seeing five new division one teams. And in terms of teams that have been coming up the last few years, I've noticed that there's been more and more success for a team like a Merriman for a team like Bellarmine that was able to win the conference tournament last year, but unfortunately could not get to the NCAA tournament. But in terms of the five teams that we're seeing making the jump from the non-D1 level up to the D1 level, would you say that it's actually a little bit easier for them now rather than, say, five to ten years ago prior to the transfer portal? Because I would take a look at a team like Lindenwood that was below 500 at the D2 level, but a guy like Chris Childs coming in from Bryant, I think, could completely change your fortunes and have them in competitive shape for this first season. So I think it goes kind of
6: twofold. On one hand, I think you're right. It's easier to flip the roster. Guys who are, you know, fringe Division One recruits in the portal are going to choose a school. You know, they're going to take Lindenwood as a D1. They wouldn't have taken him as a D2. So that's certainly valuable. But I think on the other side of it, you could kind of sell a long-term rebuild when you were recruiting the year, you know, first couple of years. Like, hey, we're moving up to Division One. You're going to get an opportunity to play right away. And you know, maybe your junior, your senior year, you're going to have an opportunity to go play in the NCAA tournament. And I think that the four-year thing, especially is the four-year transition role where teams are not playing in Subway NCAA tournament, that becomes a challenge, I think, when you're recruiting in the portal to get that next level of teams. I think it's tricky. I will say I think that the benefit is that there are a few leagues right now, particularly leagues where these teams are coming in, that are very weak, right? Like, I mean, the Southland Conference, for instance, right now. The gap between... The Southland and the top D2 conference of Texas, which is – the name of it is escaping me, but I've talked about it in the past. The Lone Star? Uh, yes, the Lone Star. That's the one. Thank you, Greg. Terrific work. The gap between Southland resources and Lone Star resources are not very big. So the gap for Texas and m Commerce coming up, it's not huge. The gap between some of these teams in the OVC and their investment – And what it takes to compete at the, you know, at Southern Indiana is not very big. So obviously there's certain, you know, certain adjustments to be made moving up to D1. There's costs that you wouldn't even think of, like it's more expensive to pay the refs. It's more expensive to have the kids on campus for summer school and all these things. But at the end of the day, I don't think the adjustment right now at the bottom of Division One to where some of these D2 schools are coming from is really all that big.
3: I think that that's such a good point that you do bring up. Even someone like myself covering D3 basketball a few years ago at UW-Oshkosh, we saw St. Thomas come up to the Summit League, and it's not like they had like a massive year or anything like that, but they were competitive in a lot of their Summit League games. They were able to knock off a few schools. They were able to look relatively solid in a non-conference play. So I do think that that is something that is good to take a look at and something to watch for upcoming seasons as well. And how much do you think that the dynamic of – teams going into a new conference as well, because with teams going from the non-D1 level up to the D1 level, that obviously causes a lot of hoopla, but we're seeing as well in the next few years, the Big 12 is going to be expanding. They're going to be having teams coming in, teams going out. As we know, the LA schools are going to be going to the Big 10, but on top of that, under the radar, the Sun Belt and Conference USA has a lot of realignment. Where you're at, Loyola Chicago, they're going to the Atlantic 10. How much do you think the unfamiliarity, of some of these schools going into a new conference, both big and small, is going to be playing a factor within the next few years as well because I do take a look at a lot of these schools that go into a new league and it feels like it's a little bit of all or nothing with many of them.
6: I think it's interesting. I think one of the things that you have to think about is like the additional work it takes in preparing your, your team to play against a team you've never played before. I think that that's something that is probably overlooked is the amount of work it takes to kind of learn a new coach and how they play. I mean, I'll use the Loyola-Missouri Valley-Atlantic to 10 model. I mean, a lot of Missouri Valley teams have play very distinct styles and have done the same general thing. I mean, obviously teams tweak what they do, but Ben Jacobson is a very experienced coach, and if you're Loyola, you kind of know what North and is going to do to you. You know, it goes both, both ways, where Loyola's got to learn 10 new teams, 11 new teams in the A-10, but they also are going to have the benefit of maybe teams not having the same familiarity. So that's tricky. The other thing that I think is is probably worth noting more than anything with conference shapes changing is some of these conferences are getting bigger. What that means is you're actually doing more prep throughout the season because you're playing less teams twice. So any league that was like a true round robin double by, you basically prep 10 teams and theoretically by like February 1st, you've done all the advanced scouting, you've done all the heavy lifting, and now it's just reinstituting game plans and maybe tweaking here and there. If you start getting into these 14, these 15 teams leagues, like we're seeing, the WAC is very big at this point. The A-10 is at 15. Obviously, the power leagues have gotten bigger. You're doing more and more scouting really throughout the season. You're going to have to do 16 different scouting reports in many cases. I think that's going to be tricky for teams moving forward.
3: Yep, I think that that's such an amazing point that you bring up, because while there's going to be a lot of unfamiliarity within the conference, especially out there in Atlantic 10, I think that there's going to be a lot of schools that aren't necessarily going to be prepared for Loyola Chicago. On the flip side for a school like a Loyola Chicago, having now to prepare for a team like a Richmond, I think is going to be relatively tricky, though. I will say this as well. Teams year-to-year change a little bit more to the transfer portal, a team that I mentioned in Richmond, them not having Jacob Hilliard, it certainly is going to be fascinating to see what happens with them this season. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Kevin Sweeney. He does an amazing job over there at Sports Illustrated, and Kevin, one of the biggest things that we've seen. Over the last few days in college basketball is Sean Miller over at Xavier putting his foot down. He has decided that he's going to be suspending Zach Fremantle indefinitely. Now, the big question is, what is indefinitely going to be in this case? Because it has had many, many definitions in college basketball over the years. Sometimes it leads to a complete kicking off of the program. Sometimes it leads to a one-game suspension. I'm sort of thinking that it's not going to be a one-game suspension, and I'm also thinking that we are not going to see Zach Fremantle leaving town or anything like that. But I do think that it's interesting to take a look at. And honestly, for myself, I said this to our good friend Kai McKeon yesterday as well. I think that this is honestly a little bit of a good thing for Xavier, because the biggest thing holding them back the last few years is because – Travis Steele was just not a coach that had a lot of discipline and just did not really, in my opinion, have a lot of the respect of his players. And now that we see Sean Miller doing this with Zach Fremantle, a guy that was a top scorer for the team two years ago, I honestly do think that it is a good way of showing who's boss. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's it's a
6: different tone to
3: strike, and it's a
6: big deal to lose a guy like Fremantle. He's really, really good. I know he struggled last year, but he was coming off an injury, missed a good amount of the non-conference, I think. You know, trying to mesh him back in with Nunji was a challenge. I still think he's, you know, an all-conference level guy at his best. You know, they'll miss him for however long he's out. I do think it opens up some potential to play smaller with Colby Jones at the four, which I like. Especially if you know some of the reports about young guys like Desmond Claude and Cam Craft come to fruition and they're as good as advertised, because then you can start to line up these young guards with Boom and with Colby Jones and really get dangerous around Nunji who can pick and pop. I think that's a really interesting look, but. At the end of the day, I think for Xavier to get where they want to go, they want, they're want they going to need a guy like Fremantle who can play the four, can play the five, can rebound. He's really, really steady. And I just think that they'll, they'll miss him too much not to have him at some point. So not knowing the circum, circumstance and the situation, it's hard to know exactly what we're looking at timeline-wise. They could really use him. That's a, that's a substantial loss, even though I do think it opens up some interesting possibilities line wise
3: I do think so as well, and something else I think is worth noting as well is I know that Matt Lort, Matt Norlander had a little bit of a piece on this because USC they've got a five star prospect by the name of Vince Ichuku. Hopefully, I'm saying that word correctly. I'm sure I butchered that a little bit, but apparently he suffered a cardiac arrest while the team was working out in July and. I know that USC is really going to be hanging their hat quite a bit on these star freshmen that are going to be coming in as they have last few years, the Mobley brothers coming in. That was a big boom for USC, but I do think that it's going to be interesting to see how USC is going to be doing within the conference because, once again, in the Pac-12 this year, there is your four, I think maybe you can make a case for five teams that are really halves, and then the bottom six in this conference is going to be relatively grody, and I I had USC... Towards the bottom half of the halves. I don't think that they're quite there with a team like in Arizona, UCLA. And quite honestly, I've got Oregon ahead of USC at this point. But I sort sort of thought that USC was at number four team. But the news that we saw reported by Matt Norlander that Ichuku might be unavailable for the Trojans at all due to the situation. For one, you just feel for the kid. And two, I think that this is a relatively big blow for a USC team that is looking at quite a few new pieces contributing this season. He's a big time talent.
6: And obviously you hope that he's able to have a basketball career after this. Fortunately, we've seen guys like Keontae Johnson start to work their way back. But this is a long road that takes a lot of clearance. So the assumption at USC since this incident happened in July, from what I've been told, what I have been told for several weeks has been that Mr. Iwachuku will not be able to play this year. Obviously, it became public this week. You know, certainly, I think it's a big blow. He would have started at center. Uh, I've watched him last year, last January at a tournament. He's really, really talented, really, really gifted. A lot relies on Josh Morgan now. He was at Long Beach State, had a really good year blocking shots, comes to USC, kind of a backup the last two years. He's probably going to have to start at center for them. And I think they're going to have to play small. they another team that, you know, yes, they have Kajani Wright, who's a four-man who could potentially, you know, contribute there and be play a little bigger. But I think you're going to see a lot of lineups with Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis, Reese Waters, and Drew Peterson together with Peterson at the four. And I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you'll see more of Trey White at the three and the four. He's like a, a big physical freshman not a great shooter, so they're going to have to kind of figure some things out because outside of Morgan, they don't necessarily have a true center on the roster. They've got a freshman from Russia, Yaroslav Niagu, I believe is how it's pronounced. He's a complete unknown. You have Harrison Horner, he's been the program, not exactly a guy you trust for big minutes, so they've got some issues to figure out at center, assuming that Iwachuku is in fact out for the year like uh, I-, I think is expected in Trojan country right now.
3: Yeah, but yeah, I wish him nothing but the best. On a little bit of a brighter note, good to see that the great last Dana Peterson is going to be remaining very strong at USC this season, but you're hoping that it doesn't slow down USC that much. You just hate to see those sorts of situations. You love to be right-slash-wrong on a team you'd never want your confirmation bias to be right slash wrong due to a situation like this you always want a player to be able to have the opportunity to succeed slash fail on the court and when you have a situation like this you just don't have anything to say other than you feel bad for the kids so Hopefully, he is able to get out there on the court, have himself a nice basketball career. I'm sure that everyone is hoping for that. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Kevin Sweeney. He does a great job over at Sports Illustrated. And Kevin, I mentioned it at the top. You're doing a great job of getting teams 1 through 363 ranked in terms of the preseason college basketball rankings that you always do. It is amazing work. I know that you are very much hard at work on that and. I have been asking a lot of my guests this since we're now a little bit more than a month away from the start of the college basketball season. But as you're doing your research, as you're plowing through these teams, is there a team or two over the last few weeks that you've been researching that you're now feeling either a little bit better or worse about now that you've been able to take a little bit more of a deep dive on them?
6: Yeah, I'm really starting to talk myself into Temple. You know, the more I, I was to about to team, say the, the I same I like. team!
3: <laughs> That's unbelievable.
6: The biggest thing that held them back last year was they couldn't score the ball consistently. In Khalif battle was awesome in the seven games he was there. He just wasn't healthy the rest of the year. So you have young, exceedingly talented guys like Battle, like Damian Dunn. You've got these breakout candidates and Hicks and White as well. I mean, this is a roster that I really like, and it's a winnable league. I mean, obviously Houston at the top is, you know, in a tier of its own, but there's some mobility to be had in that middle to top. And I I wouldn't be stunned if this team's in the NCAA tournament. they got to get better front court play than they've gotten. You know, more consistent, front court play then I think on paper you kind of wonder about but I think this, this group can be really good and you know look at their schedule and they get Villanova early obviously that's a big five matchup that'll be a nice early litmus test but you know I'm just curious to see how they navigate this non con you know, they have Rutgers week two they have Vanderbilt they play St. John's these first two weeks will tell us a lot about Temple I wouldn't be surprised if they pick off a couple of these teams and, and make a statement early on.
3: Oh, my gosh. I literally just did my write-ups for the American. I'm getting set to do my American conference preview. Sometime probably within the next 10 days, my full deep dive on this conference on the podcast. And you just mentioned Khalif Battle, who's was out there on the court, he was averaging darn near 21.5 points per game last season. Team didn't shoot it well from three. Team didn't shoot it well from the free throw line. But you mentioned that they need better front court play. Kerr Junkic, who comes in from Northern Colorado, right around 8.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game, shot over 65% from the floor. He should be able to help this team out. They've actually done a relatively solid job of being able to bring in some freshmen. I do like the fact that they've got Julio White and Nick Jordion returning as well. Zach Hicks is someone I think is going to be able to expand his game a little bit as well. And I think that's something that you brought up and a big reason why I am higher on Temple as well is that mean, after 1-2, and two, which... I don't know about you, but I've got Houston number one, Memphis number two, and I feel like that's pretty clear-cut. From there, it's very wide open because Tulane, I think, is going to be a relatively solid school, but teams like Wichita State and company have taken a little bit of a step back it's going to take a while for a school like Tulsa to be able to build themselves up after they brought in Eric Kunkel to take over the program after he was down in the Conference USA the last few seasons. So I do think that just with the league structure itself, it does help out a school like Temple because aside of the stop doing the American, it's a very bare conference. There are wins to be had there. They won 10 league games last year. I know the
6: schedule was imbalanced. So how does that work itself out? I don't know. I haven't looked quite frankly hard enough to see how much of that that schedule affects. My hunch based on recollections is that a bit, a bit of it was, but I like this group. It's a big year for Aaron McKee, you know, a year that they need to take a step forward because they haven't been top 100 110 Thomas first three years, but I think they have the pieces to do it. And I think they have the schedule to do it as well. They got some big opportunities in the non-conference and then a manageable conference slate for them to kind of run through, get 13 or so league wins and go to answer.
3: I'm right there with you. We are in lockstep on that one. And Kevin, I know you're doing a great job, gang, except for the upcoming college basketball season. I mentioned it with the 1 through 363 rankings that you are going to be doing. I fully expect to see Chicago State not at 363, so that is going to be very promising as yes, they've been able to build a little bit of something as an independent this season, So, and it's going to be a lot of fun. and. I know you're one of the hardest workers that we are going to find in the industry. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what's all on tap for you. you have
6: a lot of conference preview work getting done here and will get published here in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that over at Sports Illustrated. Also doing our conference previews on the podcast with Brad Cavallaro, who does a phenomenal job and thinks about the game in a lot of different ways. I think really helps me. And obviously you can check me out on Twitter at CBB underscore central. Can't wait. Less than six weeks away.
3: Absolutely. We are getting set for what is going to be an absolutely incredible college basketball season. Kevin, one of the most knowledgeable minds that you're going to find covering the hardwood. And every single time he joins this podcast, he brings a little bit of wisdom to us, much like he did today. So big thanks, to Kevin, for joining me right here on Coast Coast Soups, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, we did see some news and notes in college basketball on Thursday. So I'm going to round those up for you next.
0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's
5: your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
1: And I'm Skip Bronson.
5: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment
1: worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're gonna do it our way. Listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: And we're back here, lovely Las Vegas, because because Guzzi with myself Greg Spears, and now part of the VEASAN Family podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Kevin Sweeney aboard. He does absolutely amazing work covering the great game of college basketball over there at Sports Illustrated. He is one of the best in the business. He is going to be ranking every team 1 through 363 coming into the season. I am very much looking forward to what he churns out there because everything that he churns out typically is very, very good. So, always do appreciate his time. Big thanks to Kevin for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a little bit of a roundup as you all the news that I that we saw in college basketball on Thursday. This is going to be technically Wednesday as well. We saw one or two pieces of news, but it wasn't necessarily too much as the Citadel. They have picked up two more pieces for their upcoming roster. Bailey Conrad, six foot seven gentleman from Western Kentucky and John Michael Hughes. He comes in after he was a guard at high point. Neither of these guys really average more than two points per contest. Neither of these guys were necessarily highly touted. Neither of these guys played even half the games last season for their respective teams. It is going to be a rough and relatively sad year for the Citadel, in my opinion. So you wish them absolutely nothing but the best. But man, I really don't see too much of a path forward here in year number one for them. I think that they're going to be stuck towards the cellar of the SoCon. Nothing really to get too amped up about there. And then Samaj Henderson, he was playing at Jacksonville State last season. Average right around two points per game two seasons ago last year. Average one point per contest. He has decided that he is going to be going down to the non D1 level. He's going to South Georgia Technical College. These are very easy for your handicap. All you need to note is that Mr. Henderson, he was at the D1 level last season. He's now at the non D1 level. Cross them off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and move on. So very easy in terms of player news today. But with that said, let's dive into some of the guys that only got some bad news. And you're going to find this out a little bit more because practices for a lot of these teams, it really amped up. The last few days, and now they're going through sort of their preseason conditioning. They're getting their medical checks, things like this. And we did see it with Miles Rice, someone who's, I mean, let's call it what it is. He played one game for Washington State last season. Not someone I thought was going to be lighting the world on fire, but very bad news with him. He's been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. This is a case where it doesn't upgrade slash downgrade Washington State at all because I didn't think that Miles Rice was going to be doing anything with him. Just a humanity note that you wish absolutely nothing but the best for a kid. It's a case where you want a kid to either be able to succeed slash not succeed on the court. You don't want the ball to be completely ripped out of his hands. With an ordeal like this, the ball gets completely ripped out of their hands. That's just something that you don't hope for. So I mean, I just want to just take this few seconds, wish him absolutely nothing but the best, because that's a very bad ordeal. You don't wish that upon anyone. Vince Iwakuchu. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. I apologize if I screwed up that last name, but he is currently out of the full because... I mean, we were talking about it a little bit earlier with Kevin Sweeney, and he was rated by 24-7 Sports as the number 28 prospect for the class of 2022. He is sidelined indefinitely after he suffered cardiac arrest during an early team workout. You hope that he's able to come back with the team. He is a 7-footer. He is immensely talented. Not as much of a stretch player as someone like an Isaiah Mobley was last season, but I mean, this guy is able to do a tremendous job on the glass. Now it's going to become a case of which we were talking about this a little bit earlier with Kevin Sweeney. They're most likely going to be looking to Joshua Morgan for a lot of minutes down low. Morgan was able to do a solid job a few years ago at Long Beach State, but certainly not someone that I would be wanting to start at the 5 spot in terms of a Pac-12 school. They lost Javess Goodwin and Isaiah Mobley from last season, so that puts them a little bit behind the 8 ball. I mean, perhaps Harrison Hornery, who saw limited minutes last season, he might be in line for a few more minutes as well but you got to figure that this is going to be a team that's going to be going a little bit smaller with Boogie Ellis out the fold as well. That means that Drew Peterson, great name, six foot, eight-ish combo player that's able to pop threes. He's probably going to need to do a little bit more down low after he averaged 6.2 rebounds per game. So this does disrupt the plans of USC quite a bit. You feel absolutely terrible for a kid like this. You wish him absolutely nothing but the best, but certainly something to note with USC, a team that I was rather bullish on coming into the upcoming season, but I did think that they were behind some of those teams in the Pac-12 and then Florida State is currently without Jalen Ganey and Chandler Jackson in terms of a lot of their practices. They are probably going to be available for opening night, but you do want to be checking in on their statuses, especially Gainey. Ganey is someone that comes in from Brown University, a very good plus defender. I didn't think that he was going to be a starter for Florida State, but I did think that he was going to be able to play some meaningful minutes as he was mister Two at all last season in the Ivy League, putting up nine and a half points, seven boards as a six-foot-nine Gentleman that was able to also offer a little bit over two blocks per contest. Just a prototypical role player over there at Florida State. And then when it comes to Chandler Jackson, some of that I thought was once again going to be a little bit more of a role guy for the team. I didn't think that he was going to be seeing like tremendous minutes off the bat or anything like that, but he's currently dealing with a little bit of a hand issue. So we're going to be checking in on that and we're checking in on just all the ways to be able to make you guys money in general on this podcast, Coast go, soups! We've got another conference preview that is most likely going to be coming your way tomorrow in the Big East. I am planning on doing the American relatively soon as well. So, if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Go Guard Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind letters M, Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that is fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You are able firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. A big thanks to Kevin Sweeney. Does amazing work over there at Sports Illustrated. He joined me in the last segment. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the off-season news and notes of college basketball along with those conference previews once we get in-season picks and analysis on every single game every single day so I will chat at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
4: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
3: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
4: Jumba! No over by 18 plus and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hey there fellow 20 somethings, it's your girl, Sydney Winter, and guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co host to rein me in, just me, and myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.